0: Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems around the world adopt technology with me, Tiasza Zeitz. In many countries, electronic prescribing is not the norm yet, but in the US, e prescribing has become a norm quite a while ago. Now, the expanded role of pharmacists and the integration of non physician prescribers into the healthcare system signifies a move towards a more accessible healthcare model, potentially alleviating some of the clinicians' burdens. SureScripts is the national provider of the e-prescribing infrastructure in the US, and in this short discussion, I spoke with Dr. Lynn Nowak, Chief Data and Analytics Officer, and Melanie Marcus, Chief Marketing and Customer Experience Officer at SureScripts. We discussed the importance of e-prescribing on a national level in the US, the changing role of pharmacists, and how exactly can it facilitate the redistribution of healthcare provision burdens. Enjoy the show and if you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your episodes and also check out our newsletter. You can find it at FODH.substack.com. That's FODH.substack.com. It's published on a monthly basis and offers an in-depth explanation of a specific topic. Now let's dive in. Lynn uh, and Melanie, uh, hi, and thank you so much for joining the discussion on SureScripts and what you are providing in the healthcare space in the U.S. So maybe how would you basically describe what you do and the services that you provide? The brief overview, because the the audience is global, uh, so it's not just the U.S. uh, audience, and I would just like to put things in context.
1: Sure. SureScripts is a health information network in the United States. We facilitate the exchange of healthcare information across the U.S. to the tune of 22 billion transactions a year. That information could be about a prescription. It could be about a patient's benefit around that prescription. Or it could be about their medication history or even their clinical history. So that's basically what we do.
0: And what does the data say about the trends in medication prescribing? What do you see given the long history of the infrastructure that you've been providing in the U.S.? SureScript's infrastructure is, is it 20 years old or 15 years old? 22 it's very... years old. Yeah, okay, good. So what does the data say about prescribing practices or just any insights?
1: At this point, most of the country is electronic prescribing. So there are very few paper prescriptions. The last thing that went electronic was really controlled substances. And then as prescribing continues to increase with an aging population and more drugs being prescribed, of course, that's an important part of it as well. Lynn, you might want to address some of that.
2: Yeah. And and I would also add that as we're seeing more and more e-prescribing, as Melanie said, virtually all providers and prescribers are electronically prescribing now. We're also seeing more non-physician prescribers entering the network and joining the SureScripts Alliance network, largely for the reasons Melanie described earlier, which is around just that health information exchange. Even if they're a clinician or a provider who's not prescribing, they're still using the network. To do facilitate that data about clinical information for their patients. Mm-hmm.
0: Can you a- explain a little bit how the whole prescribing landscape is changing? So, there's clearly a need to decrease the burden on physicians. So, the number of pharmacists that are prescribing medications is also increasing. So, c- can you put that in context of the US healthcare? How can a pharmacist become a prescriber? Who decides? And how do patients find the pharmacies that can also prescribe medications?
2: Yeah, I'll start and then Melanie can can fill in here a little more. So one one pathway, which has actually been increasing over across the last several years, is through collaborative practice agreements with physicians. So we now finally have in all 50 states and in Washington, D.C., Pharmacists do have the ability to go into collaborative agreements with physicians, and that often allows them permission to prescribe. We also have, I believe it's in five states now, where pharmacists actually have independent ability to prescribe in certain situations. Not full authority for prescribing, but in in certain circumstances they can prescribe. Mm-hmm.
1: We have seen, as Lynn said, an increase in prescri- in in pharmacists being prescribers. Still very small numbers what's happened is we've got in the United States we have an incredible issue with provider burnout and the number of primary care physicians in the country is really set to underserve the country about 50% of counties in the country have less than one primary care physician per 1500 population and that's just not enough in about two-thirds of those, we've got enough pharmacies so that pharmacists could help take some of the burden off the primary care needs. And so that's what we're seeing. Now, there's lots of issues here. We do not They don't get paid for this work, except for in those five states that, that Lynn was talking about. They don't get paid for that work. There aren't the policies in place in the state or at the federal level that would do that. And so there's a lot of work still to do in the U.S. before you see that those numbers really rise mm-hmm. to help alleviate this shortage.
2: Yeah, and I would add that there's just a tremendous opportunity for us to help fill the healthcare, the care provider shortage with expansion of that care team. So whether it's pharmacists or other nurse practitioners or other non-physicians, as an expansion of the care team, not as, as a replacement to physicians. I'm a physician myself. I'm a primary care physician. I have trained in internal medicine. I practiced for many years. And there's, it, it's really that team-based approach where we're allowing everyone to really help care for patients to the ability of their experience and training and to do so safely. And I think certainly over the last several years with the pandemic, we've seen expanded capabilities across many non-physician groups, and it's been able to really help deliver access to patients who otherwise would not have had it.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier that there's still a very small proportion of pharmacies that basically do prescribing. So can you maybe talk a bit more about who's driving that change towards more pharmacists prescribing? And also, what do pharmacists think about that? Because it's a huge shift also in the way they deliver care. So it's not just the workflows. As you said, the whole policy, the payment models. How is change progressing from that perspective?
1: I can give a start here. As we said, there are about five states in the country that have really started to enable this, and it's driven at the state level at this point. States actually have to have the legislation in place that allow a pharmacist to prescribe. But we also did a survey in this area, and we found that of both prescribers, like physician prescribers and pharmacists, and we found that both actually are concerned about the shortage in primary care and very supportive of team-based care to help support that and both are supportive of pharmacists prescribing it's not the only thing that pharmacists could do to help alleviate they can give more more vaccinations they can do some of the screening for whether it be some of the diabetes screenings and that kind of thing or smoking cessation those kinds of things that they can do
2: i think there's also beyond the prescribing pharmacists are on the front lines they're seeing patients in in their retail clinics or coming in, whether it's to pick up a prescription or otherwise. So they've got that frontline touch points with patients, which also puts them in a terrific position to close other gaps in care. So again, through that facilitation of the, the health information sharing, SureScripts can tee up gaps in care that if a patient comes in to just pick up a, a prescription, theoretically, or and we actually do this, we can have alerts to the pharmacist to say, hey, while that patient's there to pick up their prescription, Ask them if they've had their A1C checked or other sorts of clinical alerts or things that because that pharmacist is on the front line, having those direct engagements with the patients, they're perfectly suited to help close other gaps in care even well beyond prescribing medications.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, let me take it to one more area is that we've talked a lot about the pharmacist. There's also just a lot of work to be done. To make the process of providing care more efficient and effective, right? So if we're talking about burnout from the perspective of the doctors, for example, there's a lot of work to be done, and we are doing a lot of that work right now. In the prescribing area, yes, electronic prescribings are far more efficient. You can take that further and bring it into the cost of a medication so you don't get so so a patient leaves with one that they can afford and there isn't back and forth afterwards or to an automatic prior authorization in the U.S., that's important, right? To the, again, the clinical information exchange, if it's just there, you don't have the faxes and phone calls that go back and forth between all of the providers in the ecosystem here in the U.S. that causes incredible burnout. It's a lot of administrative work that's happening on the backs of our clinicians across the country that really can be automated. And since you basically mentioned the whole
0: support around information that needs to be in place in order for this to work, can you talk a little bit more about how the information workflows are done in the states that are already doing this? So basically what I'm asking is, other countries like UK are also thinking how can they transfer more work or just more care into the pharmacies because they're in the communities, they're closer to the patients. But how do you then feed back the information of what happens in the pharmacy back to the clinician? And also, does this mean that basically the IT systems in the pharmacies need to be updated so the pharmacists have the prescribing ability that the doctors have?
2: Yeah, I think you've just given a beautiful description of why we think the SureScripts Alliance Network is so powerful. It's because our health information sharing spans across all of those stakeholders you mentioned. The SureScripts Network connects virtually every physician, pharmacy, and payer or pharmacy benefit manager in the United States. All of that information is connected, is being shared across the SureScripts Network today whether it's a physician prescribing or a pharmacist dispensing or maybe prescribing, they're able to connect in to the payer source to check how much is that medication going to be for the patient? Is it covered? Is it on their formulary? Does it have a copay? How much is that copay? Is there a lower cost alternative possibly available? All of that information is available to the physician at the point of prescribing that also then gets shared with the patient when they go to pick up their prescription at the pharmacy because the pharmacist can see that. So it's truly that connectivity and the sharing of information across the network that is, is what allows this to work and really does help facilitate that expansion of the care team where it can best be delivered in real time to the patient.
0: Mm-hmm. And how is this whole transformation of care delivery transferred to the patient in terms of the awareness? So how are patients informed that they can go to the pharmacy to get their medication reconciliation done, to get their prescriptions not just filled, but basically written uh, if they want to change the medication? How
1: is basically that addressed? That's the the pharmacies needing to do their, their marketing. The network we're talking about is behind the scenes, and it's really those customers, our pharmacy customers, our physician customers, all of them who are doing the marketing directly to the patient. Mhm so that's how they find out.
0: What's your biggest challenge, you know, as the network perspective thinking about how else you want to contribute to care delivery and changes in basically the work distribution inside healthcare?
2: I'll take that one. There there are many challenges as we really try to expand the value that we can deliver across the network. I would say one of our largest is that right now it's pretty well accepted and very much permissible to share data about patients for treatment purposes. There's tremendous opportunity in reducing administrative burden, reducing provider burnout in more administrative areas around healthcare operations, healthcare payments, where right now a lot there are a lot of restrictions on the flow of that data and the sharing of that data. We're working across all the different stakeholders on the network so how do we expand use cases for information sharing while still respecting patient privacy, certainly respecting patient all the data security? But we really think that expanding data sharing beyond just treatment use cases is going to unlock a lot of opportunity to reduce administrative burden even further. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melanie, anything you'd like to add?
1: The only other thing I would add, and this could be unique in the U.S., though I'm, I'm not sure that it necessarily, is that when you're talking about this kind of network, as Lynn just described, with the Showscripts Network Alliance across all different parts of healthcare, finding the space where everybody can both generally agree on the problem and generally agree that they're going to work together in a way on a network to exchange information, that is a challenge. So there could be things that look like, hey, that could go a lot faster and could be a lot more efficient. Yeah, that's probably true. It just takes a little bit of time when you've got all these vested interests in different parts of the ecosystem that you need to bring together. So that's challenging. Uh, If you are starting fresh in a different country, you may not have all of those challenges. Mm -hmm.
0: Is there any statistics that you might have or want to share in terms of analysis that has been done around the whole shift towards pharmacists prescribing more and basically the decreased burden on primary
1: care physicians or other physicians? Sure. We saw a 47% increase in electronic prescriptions sent by pharmacists between 2019 and 2022. And overall, during that time, prescriptions grew by about 33%. So it was outsized in pharmacists. But before we get too excited, that's 1.2 million prescriptions in 2022, which actually isn't, it's just a drop in the bucket, right? Pharmacists on the network actually prescribing grew by 122% during that time period. Again, though, before we get too excited, that means we have three point six. Hundred mm-hmm. or 3,600 pharmacists on the network prescribing in 2022. So still a drop in the bucket, but it's going in the right direction and it's certainly outpacing other areas on the network. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so pharmacists are definitely the experts
1: around medications.
0: So I think that's quite, it's safe to say that there's not much to be worried about if a pharmacist prescribes because they can oh. do all the medication mm-hmm. reconciliations. Do you
1: disagree? And- um, they need information about their they they still you still need the physician who's the one diagnosing the patient. I'm let, yeah, I'm sure Lynn will have something to say about that in the end, also, to the extent that they can prescribe it all, they need access to at least some clinical information about the patient. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So how is that actually
0: managed? Do they get any information? And basically, what I was aiming at is that I'm not as skeptical about pharmacists prescribing, but expanding nurse prescribers is something that I have a bit potentially more reservations about. So I just wanted to see what you thought about that and what insights do you have around that?
2: Yeah, so I'll put my physician hat on here for a sec. And as I said before, I think this is about how do we expand the care team and help support and augment the role of the physician, not replace the role of the physician. So, you know, there's there are very safe places where pharmacists can prescribe, and we've shown that. But it doesn't mean that they should have full prescriptive authority beyond the training that they've had. And Melanie touched on that as a pharmacist is not going to have the depth of training in diagnosis and understanding a patient's symptoms to a deep degree. There will be some things that are, you know, I'll say some simple things like a urinary tract infection or conjunctivitis or pink eye, strep throat. Some simple things that I think could be pretty tough to argue that they're not qualified to do that but I would not want to come into a pharmacy with chest pain and have uh, a pharmacist give me pain medication, Mm -hmm. right? That needs to be evaluated and thoroughly worked up and diagnosed by a physician but a full care team. Uh, Again, I think it's really about enabling all of the clinicians across the healthcare spectrum to deliver care to the extent that they've been trained and have experience to do, whether it's a nurse or a pharmacist or a physician assistant It's not just about pharmacists. There there are very highly trained nurses out there with degrees and training and experience that they can absolutely safely prescribe. Mm. That's where the laws and the scope of practice rules and regulations come into play at the state level. Mm.
0: Is there anything
1: else that you would like to add around this topic that we haven't covered? So the one thing we haven't talked about is the patient, right? In the end, this is all about getting the patient in some case, on the right care, whether it's a medication or other type of care, getting them the right diagnosis at the right time with the right medication at the right time and right place and keeping them on that medication. And whoever it is that is providing the care, they need access, right? We need, in America, access is an issue right now with the shortages and especially in more rural communities, we need access to the right people and we need the processes once we've gotten access to be smooth and quick so that you can get on the right medication at the right cost without much delay
0: you've been listening to faces of digital health a proud member of the health podcast network if you enjoyed the show do leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast subscribe to the show or follow us on linkedin additionally check out our newsletter You can find it at FODH.substack.com. That's FODH.substack.com. Stay tuned.